Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film 21 Jump Street. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed without having seen the film, just be aware there are a few plot spoilers. Enjoy. Hello, Mr. Paddy. Got 21 jumps to street. <laughs> that's, that's all I got this week. It's quite a tough one. Uh, I like it, though. I appreciate it. Yeah. I was going to try and do something with a pun on treat, but I couldn't think of any songs that have the word treat in them. Can you? No. Hmm. And there, you'd think there'd be some kind of, like, chocolate advert anthem with the word treat in it but it actually mostly just makes me think of dogs yeah that's true quality street <laughs> trickle 21 jumps treat <laughs> 21 jumps treat yes exactly yeah it's like two different things on a to-do list <laughs> gotta do 21 <laughs> jumps and then i'm gonna get a treat but you get a yeah. treat when you've done 21 jumps it's a reward system. Yeah, it's um, it's like a reward system, isn't it? If you do twenty-one jumps, you get your treat. Yeah. Um, but it remains to be seen what that treat is. Is the treat twenty-one more jumps? <laughs> Maybe. Except this time, instead of jumping over something dangerous like some spikes, you're jumping over something nice like a pool of water with some carp in it. Just some pillows. Yeah. Love a good jump. Jumping up and down. It's underrated. Do you like to get out your seat and jump around? <laughs> I do if I've come to get down. <laughs> but only if you've come to get down. <laughs> yeah. If In any ha- other circumstances, no. <laughs> if I haven't explicitly said that I've come to get down, do not ask me to get out my seat and jump around. You will remain firmly in your chair with no movement whatsoever. Yeah. Or because to... you came to get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In fact, yeah, it doesn't really make much sense, does it? Like, to get down I mean, that means, like, to dance. But it sounds more like a sort of just a way of describing sitting down, whereas to get up. Yeah. Yeah. Seems, yeah. I came to get up. I came to get up. So get out your seat and jump a lap. <laughs> get out your seat and double up. Oh, I like it. There we go. <laughs> we We found our version. Yeah. But then if you think about in the 90s, you had five... Seeing everybody get up, five will make you get down. Oh, that's true. I think pop music in general is very, very confused about the concept of up and down. It's it's all about the clash, isn't it? Yeah. Um, All those binaries in pop music is intrinsic to the spectrum of vaguely rap-related songs that people enjoy and that get played. I thought you meant the clash like um, Rock the Casbah. Get up the Casbah. <laughs> What's up your Casbah? <laughs> get get down to my safe European home. Luxembourg. Um, <laughs> that, that's what that song was about. Yeah. 
at the oh, eventual demise of the EU. Oh, the EU. Can I hear a dog barking in the background? No, I'm I'm sitting on the squeaking chair. You... Although there is also a dog barking in the background. Wait, hang on. Is that what you thought what you could hear? No, I thought I could hear a little dog barking. Okay, maybe you are hearing the dog then. Because um, I can't hear it because I've got the big headphones on. Um, but I'm not hearing my voice in them. I'm just hearing you. Because ah, okay. I don't want to hear myself. Who wants you, to hear that noise? Jeez. You've you've got full Rob Gordon coverage coming into your ears. Yeah. Surround sound. <laughs> Surround sound Rob <laughs> Gordon. Um, yes, you can hear a dog barking. Possibly two dogs barking. Because we have moved house. We've been in our new house for less than a week. We still don't have the internet. So I've been doing all the in- our internet business, including uploading last week's episode of the podcast by tethering to my phone. So it's a good oh, job wow. that I've got a pretty fat data plan. Not that I'm, I'm bo- say... not that I'm boasting. <laughs> hey, come check out my data plan. I know, like I know, boasting is a sin, but <laughs> the sin I'm exhibiting the sin of pride. But I've got a huge data plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's very impressive, though. Yeah, we've been streaming films and stuff. We've been yeah. In fact, we streamed Twenty One Jump Street on my data plan. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. Excellent. That's good. But yeah, I'm looking forward to looking forward to getting proper internet. I bought a um a Wi-Fi mesh system in anticipation, like a real oh, person. Oh, okay, amazing. So, you know, it's one where you've got like four routers and they all make like a big Venn diagram of Wi-Fi around your house, so that there are no black spots. So you you have pure Wi-Fi access. Yeah. Everywhere, 360 degree Wi-Fi. Yeah, unfettered round Wi-Fi. Not flat Wi-Fi. None of that flat Wi-Fi rubbish. Yeah, research flat Wi-Fi. So, so I take it that's been that's been your uh, the primary use of your last week. Then has been moving in. Yeah, we moved in like on that. Friday, so we took Friday and Monday off, and then had four days to um, to just kind of go through everything. So that was good um, and unpack and stuff. Um, yeah, actually completed on the Friday and moved in on the Friday, and then yeah, just spent the week unpacking. But it's good. But yeah, the people sort of not our direct neighbours, but two down from each of us both have like quite small yappy dogs. So oh, I think nice. that's I think that's going to be a perennial problem from now on. Honest. That's all right though, barking. because the sound of a little dog yapping in the distance is always entertaining. Yeah, it, it, there's like a proximity thing for small yappy dogs, where the closer they get, the more irritating it is. But you've got that like that perfect moment of they're that far away and you can just hear a dog yapping and it's kind of hilarious yeah that's good if it's like a big dog barking sometimes it's a little bit scary yes yeah but yeah little dogs and it's just friendly barking they're just talking yeah they're just like hello i'm a little dog give me food yeah give me food and attention yes so so my week has consisted of um I, I I have had the second of my of my series of mental health awareness sessions at work. Cool. Which I'm running some web conferences to everybody else across my company. Which is, very is the second good. session a follow up on the first session, or is it a repeat of the first session for people who couldn't come to the first session? It's a follow up. Um, it's like Star Wars Episode Two to Star Wars Episode One. So in Episode One, the Phantom Menace is depression, <laughs> and Episode Two attack of the clones but here the attack is on mental health illnesses in general and it was explaining to people what support is out there through our company 
and outside of the company. Cool. Um, there was also a love interest bit where I explained how I hated sand. Uh, that was a, <laughs> that was a big part of it. Um, and lots of CGI men shooting CGI monsters at the end. Excellent. Um, it was so the bit in um, Attack of the Clones where they go and look at all the clones. Did you have it like that? Except the clones were all like um, all the mental illnesses, and then you all had to like be Jedi and attack them. <laughs> well, no. In 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 Episode Two, the clones are kind of the good guys. So so when I was showcasing the clones, it was like here's Booper cover, here's the employee assistance program, <laughs> here's the bank workers charity, and they were the clones, and then yeah. the robots were the different mental illnesses. Um, but but rather than shooting them with laser guns, it was a swift kick to the dick. Which one? <laughs> kick to the robot mental health dick. Kicked him in the dick. Yeah. Or oh, just like how in Twenty One Jump Street, he shot him in the dick. <laughs> yes, he did. Which um, that bit, I found it an enjoyable film overall. But that bit did cross the line into being a little bit gruesome, mainly because they felt the need to actually show the like severed dick lying on the floor. <laughs> They did show there is a moment of body horror where you see a severed penis on the floor and he proceeds to try and pick it up with his mouth because he's been handcuffed. Yeah. Um, And I enjoy that scene because I enjoy that kind of horrible, gruesome comedy quite a lot. Um, So I I quite appreciated it. Not so much the picking up with his mouth, but when it's like, you shoved my dick off. And then you show it on the floor. It's like, oh my God, that's ridiculous. This is a movie from the people who made the Lego movie. I felt like it would have been okay to just have him say, you shot my dick off, because that's an impactful line (laughs) as it is. Yes, it is. It reminded me Um, of in um, the Flight of the Concords episode where Brett starts like a a rap gang. He, He starts like doing a rap thing. And he starts his gang, the Tough Bretts. You remember that one? <laughs> yes. And um, Dave, the guy who runs the the pawn shop, who lives with his parents but pretends they're just a crotchety old couple that he lives with. Um, he he tells them a story about um, how a whole bunch of rappers like chopped this guy's body off, so all that was left was a dick. <laughs> and then they're like, "Don't you mean they chopped his dick off?" And then they're like, "No, man." They chopped his whole body off. <laughs> and then they call back to it later on. This is the, uh, was so good about that show. They always found some way to call back to the little jokes like that um, later on when they're like doing some kind of hideout and, and Jermaine knocks on the door and he's like not sure that it's him and he opens it and they're all like there ready to fight and he goes, oh, it's just you. Sorry, I thought Missy Elliott was going to come and chop my body off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that that show was amazing. Yeah, I feel like they are st- like really big and well respected. Like whenever they do a tour, it's like they they've got a tour coming up and it's sold out instantly. It was really hard to get tickets or whatever. So that side of it's really cool. But I feel like that show is still possibly even a little bit underrated, even though I think for most people around our age who watched it when they're at university, it was quite big. I don't know. It still feels like it, it's not as people don't talk about it in the same way maybe it's a bit like nathan barley like how people haven't necessarily watched the show that much recently but it's still very culturally relevant yeah i think so um and and there's that level of absurdity to um to to uh what's it i've forgotten the name of it now because my brain has stopped working um (laughs) 21 concord street Um, 21 Concord Streets, yes. Flight of the Concords. Thank you, Barry. Um, that, that, there's that level of absurdity to it that almost makes it feel Bouchesque, like Mighty yeah. Bouchesque as well. 
Um, and it really it it has that really fine line of comedy. But you're right in that they've both become massive off it, and their tours do incredibly well. But it's almost um, the the show's almost been forgotten as the thing that propelled them there in the first place. Because I know that they initially got very famous through footage of their live shows and stuff like that. But it but it was the show that really cemented their place, um, and then they've skyrocketed off that again. Um, but yeah, I think it is a little bit underrated. It's very funny really funny show there are so many things that like we still quote to each other me and you and rob and claire and my wife and you know we're always always quoting flight of the concords it's a good touchstone yeah it is it is good um in in terms of quoting things though katie and i quote 21 jump street at each other really constantly. you wake up in the morning and you're um, just like you shot my dick off <laughs> <laughs> exactly no uh mainly things that ice cube says in this film Ice Cube's performance um, in this film is fantastic, I have to say. He, I think he steals the show, actually. He is the best thing about this movie. So um, so this movie, um, it knows that it's a piece of shit and it knows that it's a terrible idea for a movie and it just runs with it. Yeah. And that's what I really like about it. So this is a remake of a show that nobody remembered from the 80s, 21 Jump Street, um, a Johnny, Je- Johnny Depp show um, where he goes undercover at a high school uh and and they basically decided to to do a reboot of it um but they do it in the most tongue-in-cheek way possible where they realize that nobody wants this um no nobody said you know what let's do a remake of 21 jump street nobody wanted that in the audience there isn't a base of irritating stupid stands who have to get like they have to be faithful to the source material because it's going to ruin their childhood wow 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 there's none of that and I think it kind of shows, actually, because because you know nobody really cares what the content's going to be, but it's able to trade on that nostalgia just enough to for that to be a thing and for that to be interesting. That yeah, the the kind of the the fame of the source material is perhaps inverse to the eventual quality of the remake. There's, yeah, there's some kind I, of graph I, I you could do. I definitely agree. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 some kind of curve there um for for this and and it is very much openly discussed in the movie um so so their 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 um their chief of police um i suppose is the best way best way to describe him played by nick offerman he is excellent um he's great he's got a tiny role like basically one scene and that's it for him and um and he says to the two main characters channing tatum and jonah hill um we're reviving a cancelled undercover police program in the 80s and revamping it for modern times you see the guys in charge of this stuff lack creativity and are completely out of ideas so all they do now is recycle shit from the past and expect us all not to notice so it directly just says this is a terrible reboot and 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 i think the first time i saw this film I was kind of in enjoy because I didn't. I went into it not knowing what to expect. I thought it was just going to be another um, Starsky and Hutch remake or um, Dukes of Hazard remake, one of those kind of films. Um, and, and when I, when it started, I was kind of enjoying it. Um, the early scenes are very funny, but they they don't go off the rails funny. It kind of feels like a silly comedy. But then as soon as that scene hit, I thought, oh, okay, I know what they're doing here. And the whole thing is basically making fun of the nature of um nature of the unnecessary remake basically yeah um, whilst also making a remake that kind of that pulls it off just by yeah having fun with it 
yeah and, and they do have a lot of fun with this movie i, I i'm not going to say that it's a perfect film by any means because no. it's not <laughs> there's a lot of problems with it but there's enough here to keep you entertained either from a, a nod and a wink style of humor or just pure stupid humor um, and it all moves so quickly and it moves from scene to scene so fast that you're never left dwindling on any one moment for too long. Yeah. Um, which I think really works in its favour. Um, so so I guess for anyone who's not seen the movie, who's listening to this, um, there's these two cops who didn't get on well when they were in high school, but they become friends over the police training programme. Um, they become beat cops. Channing Tatum literally they- says, do you want to be friends? to Jonah Hill yes literally turns around and says do you want to be friends um, and that's enough that's like that's the establishing thing and it was knowing and the way that it did that yeah yeah it, it's very much a it, it plays with the tropes instantly so Jonah Hill is the unpopular overweight kid at high school Channing Tatum is the jock super popular kid one of them smart one of them's dumb and they decide to basically at police academy to work together to both become successful um, so Channing Tatum helping with the physical side of it, Jonah Hill helping with the the uh, more intellectual side of it. Um, they both successfully become beat cops, but then they completely mess up their first case uh, as cops, where they where they try and stop a drug deal that's going down. Yeah, where they approach um, the like biker gang, and he says, "Do you want me to beat your dick off?" <laughs> <laughs> yes. There's several words in this film which I think are used more than others. So they probably use the word dick more than the word the. Yeah, but Um, unlike Baywatch, they don't think it's funny to just use the word dick. They're at least prepared to give it some context. Yeah, they that there's a lot of foul, crude language in this movie, but at least it makes sense in the situation. Um, But yeah, so they they completely mess up this case, so they get bumped to an undercover operation because they're immature and because they look immature the entire movie knows that neither of them looks like they're high school students and it's referenced multiple times throughout the film that they look like they're 40 yeah it's mentioned several times it's really funny um the way that they do it but but yeah that's where they meet ice cube the best character in the movie um who is uh their new captain in 21 jump street which is a korean Um, church Yes, and 21 Jump Street, the actual location, is a Korean church, um, which, which yes, leads to some uh, really funny moments. Um, so, yes, he is, he's the police captain. Um, he, he effectively turns around to them at some point and says, oh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, black, angry police captain. Well, guess what? I'm black. I work my ass off to be captain. And sometimes I get a little angry. So suck my dick. <laughs> Another hilarious use of the word dick in this film. Yeah. Um, and, and he comes out with all of the best lines in the film. Like, there's lots of quality quips in this movie. There's lots of memorable, stupid one-liners. But, like, every single moment that Ice Cube is on screen, and he's not in it for a lot of lot of the runtime, but he's just so funny, isn't he? He is excellent. He's good at being angry in like, in a joke way. Because you know that he's a guy who can be really angry, you know? If you listen to N.W.A., you know what he's about, but yeah, he's great. Yeah, and he he's really good. Um, it, but yes, the bit the bit that um that Katie and I quote each other all the time is, um, in the Korean church, Jonah Hill's giving this little prayer to to Korean Jesus, um, which is which is a really funny scene in itself. Yeah. Um, particularly where at the end of it, he's like, 
um, the end? Is that how you end a prayer? That kind of thing. It's all all, all is very funny. Um, but but then Ice Cube appears and says, "Hey, stop fucking with Korean Jesus. He ain't got time for your problems. He's busy with Korean shit." <laughs> it's very good, and it, it kind of also steers it back onto the comic path from what could have potentially have been an incongruously tender moment of Jonah Hill praying that it's not going to be like when he was in high school and he was fat and tried to look like Eminem and he wasn't cool. Yeah, and and it, it toes that line really, really well, I think, throughout the film, where um, you think it's going to go down a, a serious tender moment route and then it nearly reaches it and then it flips it on you. Um, and, and it does that several times in the runtime where it will reach that point and you think it'll be sweet. And then there's occasional moments where it is quite sweet, but it never lasts too long and it gets you back on track with the comedy aspect of it. Yeah. Um, so so I think it I think it does really well not to because because in effect, the main storyline is very trope heavy, but they basically try and invert it as much as possible without steering the plot entirely off track. And and I think it just about pulls it off. Yeah, and it's it's essentially an action plot, really, isn't it? Undercovering yeah. some criminal activity, going undercover, th- finding out who the bad guys are, having a big shootout, having an explosion with a chicken, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The chicken explosion is, again, a very funny scene. That made me chuckle. I mean, um, I, I'm not a big action movie guy, so, like, the action scenes did kind of drag a bit for me and made made me like a bit bored but that was kind of quite knowing in the way that it approached that just being like oh there's going to be an explosion oh no there isn't and then eventually there is with the chicken yeah so so in this shootout they shoot like a gas tanker they they shoot like a a truck full of explosives but then eventually the one that explodes is just like an old farm truck full of chickens yeah and then they also have a massive explosion at the end just for no reason um which i also liked um and and, and yeah it because it, it's kind of the way i try and think about this is it's like the american equivalent of hot fuzz yeah where it feels very much like an american movie but it's handles the satire of the american cop action movie in the same way that hot fuzz is the british equivalent of that satire yeah definitely i'd say that's a that's a very very fair comparison and comparable casts in terms of who's famous in English, British cinema, who's famous in American cinema, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's good. Although Hot Fuzz was quite a few years before, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Hot Fuzz is an older movie, and I'd say it is probably a better movie. As much as I like 21 Jump Street, Hot Fuzz is, I think it handles that that sort of parody element a little bit better than 21 Jump Street. Yeah, does. Hot Fuzz would, not, would still have shied away from showing the penis on the road. <laughs> yeah and 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 hot fuzz has its share of gory moments as well but it, yeah. it, it doesn't go that far um whereas yeah it, occasionally it does go a little bit far here but but i th- I think what i really like about 20 on jump street as well are the quite absurd elements to it yeah it it, it feels very cartoonish in its in its style and you can kind of tell that the guys who did it based on their direction here there are sort of like similarities to the Lego movie that they went on to do. It's got that same kind of of absurdity to it, that same kind of cartoonish charm to it. Um, so all of the moments where they're they're high on this drug that they're sent into the high school to um, to stop, uh, they they have these kind of tripping scenes, and they're all very very funny, yeah. and they're handled in a very 
most of the time when people get high in a movie it feels like it's absolutely full of cliches whereas here it goes so far into the cliche that it comes out the other side and is entertaining again yeah definitely and it's prefaced very well by them initially watching a youtube video of like a kid taking the drug who then died and it's the guy who played young neil and scott pilgrim and he takes the drug and then he has a very fun freak out in his bedroom and it has the four stages and then it keeps coming back to that as like the four stages of the drug um and yeah, it's, it's very, very funny. And the, it's the first time they meet the like PE teacher who turns out to be the bad guy, which I did, actually did not see coming. But um, yeah, and then they're like gurning and stuff. And he's just like, are you guys on drugs? And they're like, no. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a really funny scene. Um, and they are doing stupid stuff like playing with their tongues and things like that um, in a very stupid slapstick way. But somehow it doesn't feel stupid in the same way that Baywatch feels stupid. No. Um, it's because it like it's so much more joyful like it's it's joyfully silly it's not afraid to just kind of do things that are funny whereas baywatch sort of tries to create comedy out of smugness and out of kind of people having hot bods and action scenes and shiny butts and stuff whereas this just genuinely tries to create comedy out of joyful stupidity which is very, very different. It really, really makes me chuckle how when they're doing cop stuff, like anytime they like arrest someone or shoot any guns or whatever, they're always like whooping and hollering and stuff, which like no cop would ever do because it'd be so unprofessional. But in the context of this film, you're like, yeah, that's legit. <laughs> yeah, it's really true. Um, particularly at the end when they when they uh, catch the bad guy and at the end of reading his Miranda rights, they both simultaneously go, fuck you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which- it's yeah it's yeah. really funny no, it actually it made um, me laugh more when they get their first arrest which is like one of the biker gangs guys where they forget to read the miranda rights but yeah. where um they're just like they're, because they're celebrating too much and they're going like woo <laughs> just like and they're like jumping around on top of him and stuff and they're just shooting their guns into the air and it's like quite early on for that kind of stupidity but it sets the tone yeah you're right it, it really does and 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 it does handle I, I feel like the first half of this movie is probably better than the second half in terms of that like genre flipping stupidity um and then i feel like it gets a little bit too into the tracks of being a, a cop movie um and, and playing it a little bit too safe um but yeah those early scenes are hilarious where they're where they're too like street cops and they're there on their bikes and they basically look like they're wearing like comedy halloween police outfits instead of the real thing yeah um and it, it it's yeah it's it's really well handled all of that stupid humor they do it in such a way that it's funny for anybody i suppose is the best way to put it yeah yeah definitely you you'd have to be yeah quite uptight not to laugh at at least some of it yeah 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 there's there's always some there's always something to be funny here um but but what one thing i'd like to point out is did you see um or did you notice by the at the end of the movie that there was a really clever hint towards who the drug di- who the drug manufacturer was earlier on in the film no so when they first take the drug um uh jenko channing tatum's character says that it tastes like cool ranch um and then when they meet the um when they meet the the gym teacher for the first time he's eating a bag of cool ranch doritos uh. And that's like the hint. And that I think that's the only hint you have to who it is. Well, yeah. 
obviously that didn't register with me because as you know cool ranch we've talked about this on this podcast before i think but in the uk cool ranch doritos are called cool original they are because we don't know what a ranch is it's like a gap in a british person's knowledge a british person's perception we're not able to understand what a ranch is so i think when i saw that i just didn't process it yeah because because like ranch dressing isn't a thing over here at all apart from a subway apart from in subway that's the only place where you get it the Um, the sandwich restaurant not the underground train system (laughs) (laughs) just cool ranch everywhere when when you go on the underground paddy are there not people around offering you dressing yeah yeah all the time this guy he just like opens (laughs) his suit jacket and he's like hey man you want some dressing? <laughs> it's not even got it in a tube or anything. It's just dressing dripping out of an inside pocket. <laughs> his pocket. Oh. He just gets out with his hand and slathers yeah. it on your sandwich. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't um, even yeah, have a, a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly one appears. Or he just like wipes it on your hand. Here, have some dressing. Yeah. The um in the well, the village that we have moved to, it's, it's 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 a village, but we're also kind of on the outskirts of it, and we're right next to a massive twenty four hour Tesco that has a subway in it. Oh yeah, so yeah. yeah, it's kind of dangerous. It could be eaten there all the time. That is that is that is a, a a temptation very close by, isn't it? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I haven't had a subway in ages. I haven't had a subway in years. I think it's not bad. The bread with the herbs and cheese, you know? Yeah. Get that herby cheesy bread in you. Yeah, and it's like you can see everything laid out in front of you. And you know that you can see that it's all very, very pre-packaged. But somehow it works. It does, yeah. You get give me a, a meatball marinara sub. Mm-hmm. Cover it in cheese. You know, because Subway is the healthy option of the fast food restaurants, obviously. This is true, um, yeah. Um. So, yes, me eating a 12-inch uh meatball sub that's that's a healthy meal definitely yeah foot long <laughs> exactly um so so 21 jump street um the the reason why i felt it could fit into this podcast p- other than purely out of spite that we watched two movies that i hated that reminded me of this film um that's as good a reason is... as any to watch a film on this podcast it's our, it's our podcast anyway it's we'll true. do whatever the fuck we want we can Next time, Robocop. It's going to happen. <laughs> um, the movie with no romance whatsoever. Um, it, Robocop yeah, the... followed by Airbud 7th Inning Fetch. <laughs> and then we just repeat those two over and over. <laughs> That'll be it for the rest of time. Um, yeah, so, so the reason I chose it partly is the way that it handles the romance strands in this film. Um, so there, there's basically two very fleeting romances for jenko for channing tatum there is his very bizarre um very bizarre relationship with his teacher that's not an actual romance though no there's there's, it's some weird flirting and her being intense and just expressing that she's attracted to him and then running away which adds absolutely nothing to the film whatsoever which 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 i like because it, it it basically ignores what could have been an obvious romance plot if they wanted both of them to have romances and i thought it was going to go down that down that road particularly considering that was um ellie kemper who you recognize from the office and now unbreakable kimmy schmidt etc but she wasn't so big back then i guess yeah because this is 2012 
um so so it's pre Kimmy Schmidt I think which is yeah, obviously yeah. what she's now huge for um and 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 yeah the first time I watched it when they had that scene I was like oh no there's not going to be like a long romance between these two is there but instead it is basically just those two scenes um and and that's fine and it's funny and it just ignores it entirely um and then at the end he's randomly kissing one of the other detectives out of nowhere oh, yeah. and you're like okay <laughs> fine so so it completely avoids the the handsome buffman yeah uh which was channing tatum's original name i think before he moved to hollywood uh handsome <laughs> buffman um it completely ignores any romance options for him in favor of jonah hill um and and that's partly to do with the way that they inverted the roles of what they were expecting. So, of course, Channing Tatum's character was hugely popular at high school. Uh, Jonah Hill's character wasn't. And then when they go back to high school this time, Jonah Hill is the popular one. Channing Tatum is the outcast. Um, but it ends up because of a mix-up with the school principal, who is yes, that guy yeah. from New Girl. <laughs> Yeah, who's that guy from this movie is full of oh it's that guy or oh it's that woman. Yeah. Um the entire movie is that basically. Um it's got a really good extended cast of people who you recognise. Yeah. Dave Franco, um, obviously. Yeah, this so this is one of one of the earliest things that Dave Franco's recognised for, I suppose. It's hard to believe um, that he went on to play Greg Sestero in the disaster <laughs> artist. <laughs> um yeah it's it's amazing and i think it's a really good performance from him in here yeah he plays the he's the popular kid who's also the drug dealer but um as part of an inversion of traditional high school tropes as seen in movies like never being kissed um they're also the the super um positive hippies who care about the environment and care about inclusivity and things like that um and so they kind of inverted the roles there as to what you expect uh yeah. which is quite clever the way that they did it because he's popular um, but he's not like a jock yeah so so jocks basically barely exist in this film um and they just kind of ignore that whole high school movie trope entirely the only time where you see jocks are channing tatum at the beginning in the flashback scene and then when jonah hill does one track meet which is hilarious <laughs> um whilst he's high and uh and he does not do very well, I suppose. And he throws the baton. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In relay. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, bef- just before he throws it, he knocks other people's batons out of their hands with his baton. Um, and then when they're trying to get the baton off him at the end of the race, he's masturbating it like a penis. <laughs> That 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 is the that is the level that this movie is at. By the way, anyone listening who hasn't seen it yet, do not expect a highbrow film. It is dumb clever. I think is the best way to describe yeah. it. Yeah, even though we're describing it, we're talking about it as being a good and funny and enjoyable film that you should see. I still don't think you should go into it with high expectations because you know you should go into it just be thinking it's going to be some dumb stuff to while away the time. You'll be thoroughly entertained. Yeah, it's 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 a well-made dumb movie. That, that that's the best way to best way to describe it i think yeah um and um and yeah so it's full of all of that stupid stuff but i really like the way that they built those characters where 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 jenko's character his his character arc and there are character arcs in this movie his is around finding enjoyment in the intellectual side of studying 
and becoming friends with people that he would not have been friends with previously by becoming friends of all of the science geeks. Yeah. Um, who are also kind of shown as actual people rather than just nerds who like Star Wars or Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. They're actually just like good at science and then they bond with him. And that side of it is actually quite nice when he realizes yeah. that they're his friends. And then when they have to go to the prom and um, he get he gets them to come in the car with the doves. That, that I laughed out loud at that one with the doves. Yeah, that was really funny. Particularly since he's just got a box with doves written on it that he throws over his shoulder when he gets out. Um, yeah, so so that, it's it's kind of a sweet moment. That there's a there's a few moments that are sweet in this film, and it's not really the moments you expect. But it's things like Channing Tatum becoming friends with a bunch of nerds at high school. Um, and and when Schmidt asks uh, Brie Larson's character out to the prom, uh, he there's that very brief moment before everything turns sour, where Channing Tatum's like, "Oh, well done, Jonah Hill, well done." And then Jonah Hill starts being a dick, and and, and then that kind of sours the relationship. Um, and, um, and then they have a fantastic like fight during the Peter Pan play. Where Jonah <laughs> yes, Hill is yeah. hanging from the ceiling, and it is really, really, it's really funny and weird, and a but a good kind of thing for the plot to hang off that Jonah Hill gets really, really invested in theatre and ends up playing Peter Pan. <laughs> yeah, it's a really, it's a really nice touch in that he's the one that goes too deep and gets like wrapped up in high school politics drama um and 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 becomes really invested like like you said he becomes really invested in this play and re- they almost don't follow up on a lead to find out who the suppliers are um because he wants to star as peter pan in the high school play which i think is is amazing it's really funny the way that they did that um but but the relationship between jonah hill schmidt and brie larson's molly um it, they handle it with a bit of care um in a way that um in a way that never been kissed doesn't um so aside from they do kiss at the end which i think is a little bit uncomfortable but at least at that point they both know who each other are yeah they still um, have to have their moment even though she probably should be angry at him and seems like she's really angry at him but then she's like all right whatever fine and she yeah. has already said that she's eighteen, so it's fine. Yeah, and 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 it's still it's still a little bit creepy, and you're still like, oh, this is a bit awkward. Um, but every other moment in the film where there is that chance for it to go into awkward territory, um, Schmidt Jonah Hill's character stops it from going into that awkward territory. Um, whether it's when Molly is leaning in for a kiss, he pulls back and offers her a hearty handshake, for instance, um, <laughs> and that that kind of stuff. It always manages to stop from being creepy, unlike Never Being Kissed, which is constantly on a creep factor of 10. Yeah, it's sort of a tonal thing, isn't it? Because Never Being Kissed takes itself a bit too seriously. Anytime the hockey-loving English teacher hunk guy is on screen, you're just like, ugh, Jesus, no, don't do that with a student, no go away yeah exactly it's it's really creepy that movie um whereas here everything's funny and and there's still the potential for it to be a bit creepy and i remember the first time i watched it in those romance scenes you're like what are you doing dude you're a police officer this is someone at high school and they still manage to sort of avoid it basically yeah they they don't let it go to a point where it's going to detract from just having a laugh with it yeah 
yeah, they they always manage to to do something with it, which is nice. Um, They'd rather have a so, five minute scene of them trying to make each other puke up by putting their fingers in each other's mouths. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is quite revolting, but oh yeah, it, it's it's incredibly revolting. But again, it doesn't go on long enough that you that you resent the scene, um, and and I, and that's another big difference, I suppose. Um, to that's that's another big difference to movies like Baywatch, where everything goes on for far too long. Um, whereas here, everything moves so quickly that you have that. Oh, yep, okay. They're they're trying to make each other puke up now because they've just taken this drug that killed somebody. Um, and then they're just like, okay, yeah, we'll move on to something else. Just snap, 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 snap. Yeah, the, Never... the pace of it's good, and it works out as yeah. what an hour and forty. Yeah, it's quite a short film. Yeah, that's good. It's just the right length. It's the length that it needs to be to give us enough Ice Cube and enough Jonah Hill, Peter Panning, and enough explosions. Fit. Yeah. <laughs> it fits it all in. <laughs> it does. And, and it. you'll be pleased to know that, um, that, that in the sequel, which is actually good, yeah. 22 Jump Street is they a done name for the film. They do go to college. Um it's not as good as the first one because you're kind of expecting, you kind of know what to expect, which you don't from the first film. Um, but it is still funny, and Ice Cube appears in it again, and he's funny. Um, in fact, he's in it a little bit more, I'd say. Um, but but yeah, so it's... I, I really like this movie, but it's not without its problems. Yeah. Um, and some of that is where the humour goes a little bit too far. Um, some of it is in where it sticks a little bit too close to either the dumb comedy tropes or the bro cop uh, tropes where it doesn't, it doesn't push the envelope all the way through the film. And sometimes when it falls back into that safety net, it feels a bit stale or it feels a bit too stupid in the wrong way. Yeah. I think it's fair to say. And I, I, did, I maybe didn't, I thought it was fine. But yeah, seeing it the first time, I think I would feel that a lot more on a repeat watch. Yeah, yeah. And each each time you watch it more, you kind of recognise a few more things like that. Um, like the way that they treat um, secondary female characters is a bit weird, apart from the ones who have a lot of dialogue. Um, and it's only a handful of cases, but like the the drunk woman in the back of the uh, limousine at the end, for instance, you think, oh, that's a bit weird and stupid. That feels a bit like it could be in an Adam Sandler movie, not in this film. Trying to unzip his trousers. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that feels like it should be in a much stupider movie than this one. Um, and, and so there's those little moments like that. Um, but but it's not the same for everybody. So the, the two other detectives, the female detectives in 21 Jump Street, um, one of which is played, of course, by Dakota Johnson yeah. from uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, um, and 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 whenever they they have this sort of rivalry with Jonah Hill and um, and Channing Tatum, and that kind of rivalry, though it's only in a couple of scenes, again it feels very genuine and it feels like it's been built very well. Um, uh, but yeah, there are those moments where sometimes it feels a bit lazy and it feels a bit cheap. Yeah, I don't really think that any of the female characters are really invested in much at all no by by the movie by the writing by anything all of them are just there to serve as the buddy bro plot and yeah maybe they could have done it differently yeah and 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 that's a problem with all of these kind of movies so um equally um uh yeah a lot of these kind of films that kind of play off those tropes 
do ignore female characters i suppose is the best way to put it so hot fuzz is another example where the only female characters you get are either elderly women who are very one-dimensional or like divorced wife and and that's it and then the focus of the movie is entirely around the male character's relationship which is kind of what happens here um and i feel as though molly's character is a little bit more built than the other female characters yeah hers is the one that gets the most investment but i think i was still ultimately disappointed by it because as i said like at the end she decides she's going to kiss him anyway even though she's been kind of angry and the way that the film has made you think that she's just that she's going out with dave franco and she wants to date the popular guys but then it turns out she actually establishes this actually quite genuine relationship with jonah hill like when they're talking on the phone and joking around and stuff like the intimacy between them feels real um but yeah it seems like she is actually quite a serious and thoughtful person but then she still goes and like gets with him anyway yeah and and i think that's the main flaw of it is because as you said everything that it builds up to in that point um it kind of builds her as quite a a well like quite an intelligent character uh, who who doesn't take that kind of bullshit um and so it would have been best if it ended obviously it couldn't end with them hating each other um because that wouldn't fly in a movie that's as dumb as this it needs that big happy ending but it should have just ended with another like handshake kind of thing to be like an okay i understand why you did it fair enough for stopping this drug ring in my school um and and so it didn't need that little kiss at the end and and that's not I don't think it's even mentioned in the sequel. Yeah. Um, there, there's no mention of her whatsoever in the sequel. She didn't reprise um, her role. No, she is not in not in 22 Jump Street, which is still an incredibly dumb name for a film, and I kind of love it. Um, and, and yeah, so you do, there are those little moments where, where, like I said, it feels like it stays a little bit too close to, the, to traditional storytelling, where this kind of movie, it's, it excels in breaking that down. Um. And so I think it's a shame that they didn't push it even further. But then again, would they have been allowed to push it further than they already did? I think if they tried to be it further, push it further, it would have ended up being more satirical and just becoming a much more kind of knowing and more intelligent film. And they weren't trying to be intelligent. That's the thing as well. So they, they managed to get a fair level of intelligence into a dumb movie, but ultimately it's still a dumb, entertaining comedy, shooty, explosion shoot him in the dick film <laughs> yes exactly um and i don't think they they necessarily would have been allowed to take it further anyhow um like if if you're if you're getting like money to make a dumb action movie there's only so far you can take the satirical elements of it before people realize yeah definitely but you know um, it's, yeah. it's got a good prom scene it does have a it, it has two standout scenes which I know we both love. Has a good prom scene, has a good house party scene. Yes, I was going to say it is a good house party but and the I guess the the kind of the fight with the rival school guys is this movie's equivalent of Julia Stiles dancing on the table in 10 things I hate about you. It's that kind of pivotal moment where that bit of the action starts to really emerge from the shell. Yeah yeah um and uh it, it's handled in a really it, it's like the best example of this movie 
rolling with the dumbness and the audience thoroughly enjoying it because it's a really stupid fight um nothing of consequence happens jonah hill gets accidentally stabbed with a ceremonial knife um and then they pull it out and everybody cheers yeah (laughs) (laughs) which again that's kind of similar to when like their cops like cheering for shoot shooting their guns and doing cop stuff it's really over the top yeah yeah no nobody really reacts in a way that they probably would at that moment um and and then the knife gets pulled out they pour vodka over it to sterilize the wound because obviously that's going to work um and and then they continue partying and it's just it's it's a really fun looking party i think the scene at the the, the, like the, the quality of a house party in a movie is would you like to be there and like the 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 movie uh, the the party in this movie you do want to be at that party it looks like it's a whole load of fun absolutely i mean you would be worried about being in in the scene where there's a fight obviously you are, you might have to fight a guy but yeah it seems like a very very good party although very packed very yeah, densely yeah. packed you'd have difficulty moving from room to room you would you i'd would. definitely be in the garden there's... <laughs> particularly when there's very strange threesomes going on in the upstairs yeah <laughs> yeah and you only um, see it for half a second but that's like whoa okay yes yeah, and, and that's kind of like it's a it's kind of a microcosm of the of the comedy of this of this movie in, in one tiny scene where you're like oh yeah that's funny oh wait what um where it's just kind of throws something throws you a curveball basically and and that's this movie in a nutshell um it, it likes pushing things but it never pushes things too far um and i'm a weird person and i like weird movies and i kind of wish they had pushed it too far um but then everybody would have hated it probably apart from me and three other people and we'd be the only people that enjoyed 21 jump street whereas i think a lot of people like this film yeah it has a kind of lowest common denominator appeal yeah much like the world cup (laughs) much like the world cup and football (laughs) (laughs) um but but yeah it it is a fairly well respected film um looking on imdb it has a rating of 7.2 not bad um which for a movie of this type that's actually a pretty good going um and and i don't know anyone who's seen it who doesn't like it um which i think is always a surprise when it's a movie that is as strong as this one in terms of what it shows you like this film does not hold back and and that would normally put off some people but somehow this film seems to appeal to most people yeah i've never heard anyone hating on it anyone say that it's bad Inkly, i don't know that i've ever really chatted to anyone apart from you about it too but <laughs> i yeah. i'm 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 standing for this film Paddy. <laughs> 21 jump stan <laughs> 21 stan that would be your your username on the on the 4chan forums that you frequent <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, um I, I do not go on 4chan before anyone wonders. I am not either a twelve year old boy or a forty year old fat racist. Those are the two two demographics of 4chan. I'm just looking back through my notes. Yeah, I gotta say I I like Brie Larson a lot. She's very accomplished as like an actor, but also as a director as well, and a musician. She's very, very multi talented. Oh, is she a musician as well? Yeah, yeah. I haven't heard much of her stuff, but she's got a solo album apparently that's very good, and she's done some bits and pieces for films that she's been in and written for and directed for. If you remember in um, 
Scott Pilgrim, she was uh, the the singer who is Scott's ex, who's in the famous band. Um, oh, she yes, sings yeah. in that, and she's very the, good. the one that wasn't the music metric. Yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So if you listen yeah. to like the soundtrack, it's metric, but in the film, it's her actually singing it, and she is actually very good. Oh, very cool. Yeah, with the guy on bass who is the Superman guy. And then they have a base battle. Base battle. Um, my favourite film that Brie Larson's been in recently is Kong Skull Island, by the way. Oh, I yeah? don't know if you watched that. I did not. It looked it, stupid. It, it's it's really... It, it kind of has the same thing as uh, 21 Jump Street, actually, where it knows that it's dumb. Is it? And it revels in it. Peter Jackson? No, no. That, that was the previous one. It's um, Jordan Vote roberts um, who's a really good, like up and coming director. He's been given. Um, so he he did the Kings of Summer, which you might have you might have seen. Um, but that's that's like a, a cute little indie movie that people like. Um, and um, he's he's the director who's been chosen by Hideo Kojima to do a Metal Gear Solid movie. Oh wow! Um, Metal Gear Solid is for anyone who's not into video games one of the most unfilmable video games of all time where the entire thing is basically built on movie references and pop culture references into a bizarre twisting turning like espionage narrative but but not in a like ready player one appeasing neckbeard geeks kind of way no so so lots of geeks love metal gear solid but it does very little appeasement of those kind of power fantasies um, it Not that it I really... have seen the film of Ready Player One or read the book. Have, did you ever see it? No, no. I keep meaning to um, because I love a good Spielberg silly action movie. Um, I really like Spielberg as a director. Um, but I was I kind of heard mixed things about the initial book. Some people who really liked it, other people who found it was a little bit too nerd power fantasy-y. Um, which kind of made me a bit unsure about reading it because it's massive as well, I think. Um, and and I, I have a very short attention span for books at the moment. Most of the stuff I read is like 200 pages. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm done with it now. That's still um, a book. There's nothing wrong with that. It's still a, it's still a book, yes. But, um, but as someone who used to read massive, massive books like The Magus by John Fowles, um, I feel as though I'm letting the side down by reading short stuff. Um, do you have do you you turn up to your like long books club and you're like how many pages two hundred <laughs> yeah, get, get out I'm here like but I read Annihilation it's really good it's like don't care it's only like 180 pages hey, get hit, out Rob hit you with a copy of Infinite Jest on the way out <laughs> it's like capital punishment for the long book club they just throw that at you um but but yeah so I I, I haven't seen it but I will get around to watching it at some point. Um, but yeah, um, Metal Gear Solid is is a twisting, turning mess of a of a movie um, of of a, of a series of games, and I have no idea how they're going to film it. But I think someone who understands how ridiculous the series is, and who's been given the blessing of the director behind the games, it's probably a good bet that he might do a good job. Um, but but yes, uh, Kong Skull Island is equally. It knows that it's dumb and it revels in it, and and that's exactly what Twenty One Jump Street is. Yep. 
And it's good when a director is willing to just kind of take that plunge and just go all in and go, yep, yep, let's get the um, severed penis in there now. <laughs> yep, severed penis prosthetic. Yep. So yeah, um, that's good. And yeah, good cast of people. It's nice when you see a film like this and it's a cast of people who are all on the way up. The two stars included as well. Channing Tatum. The more I see of Channing Tatum, the more I like him. As you know, when we started doing this, I was very unfamiliar with his work, but no, I, I think he's. I think he's good. He's got a good face. Yeah, I really like Channing Tatum, and I think it helps that I first saw him in weird stuff um, that I liked. So I think the first thing I saw him in um, was Side Effects, which is a, a movie about. It, it's kind of like a conspiracy a murder conspiracy all tied up in the use of psychiatric drugs. All right. Um, directed by Steven Soderbergh. And it's not the kind of thing that you'd expect Channing Tatum to be in. And up until that point, a lot of people have been thinking of just as like, oh, the magic Mike guy. Um, and so like, I, I, I'd basically gone from, I watched him in 20 on Jump Street and thought it was funny to watching him in this very, very serious uh, drama. I was like, oh yeah, he's good. Um, and, and like since then, obviously, he's been in a whole load of hugely successful stuff. And then unfortunately, Jupiter Ascending was not successful. But I, <laughs> yeah. lo- I love that movie. But it was so much fun. Yeah, we still very, very much enjoyed that. And I think he really stole the show in that one as well. Yeah, yeah. With his um, dog it, ears I, I and really... his winged boots. Yeah, <laughs> dog ears, hover boots. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I really like him. I, I, I think he's a good one. Yeah. And um, Jonah Hill has a very interesting CV as well you often worry for him especially in a context like this where you think he's playing a potentially like fat nerd character that they're going to go all in on those aspects of his physical appearance or those kind of thing that he's going to be typecast but every single role that i've seen him in especially recently he's been really really good and managed to break out of it like i saw him in the the wolf boy of wall street he was good in that (laughs) he's great in the wolf of wall street he's one of the best things about that film um and and yeah he's really good at at breaking out of because because obviously he initially made his name with um with that what teen comedy superb um, ad su- superb the superb ad yeah um uh, it's all about advertising uh teenagers who want to get into advertising i think isn't it <laughs> yeah um and it's about them trying to make a like sneak a um uh halftime ad for the super bowl into the the production reels yeah that's exactly what it's about um, <laughs> that would actually be a very cool idea for a film. Uh, it's kind of, it's a little bit along the lines of, is, have you heard there's a Canadian TV show called Nirvana the Band, the show? No. You of this? Um, Adam showed it to me. It's quite, it's, it's, I think it's quite obscure. I haven't really heard much about it. There's these two guys um, who are in a band called Nirvana the Band, and it's spelled with two N's. <laughs> and um, <laughs> they're, it's, it's set in Toronto, they're Canadian, and the whole thing, it's like, I think it's it's mostly improvised and it's kind of real life. They sort of troll people a bit, but not in a mean way. But it's about them trying to get their band a gig booked at this really tiny venue. And they just keep like doing really, really inept things and they're coming up with schemes to get them to book, like to get a gig there. Like sneaking into the office of the local paper and getting it printed in the gig listings so that the venue then has to give them the show and stuff. But yeah, that seems like that kind of that kind of thing. Like, and there's one where they go to, um, to the... Um, what's that famous film festival the Sundance Film Festival and he literally sneaks into the projection booth and like sneaks his film in 
um, like changes over the reel and then becomes this like overnight sensation star. But it's a really, really great show. I won't keep going on about it, but you should definitely check it out. Okay, yeah, I will do. Um, that that uh, yeah, oh, that does sound really good fun, actually. Yeah, it was on um, Viceland, the Vice TV channel. Oh yeah, I I watch yeah. a bit of stuff on Viceland actually. Um, yeah, there's some there's some really good, interesting stuff on there. So um, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, if you can separate that, obviously, from Vice's founding. <laughs> yes, the the horrible bullshit that was Vice when it was first created. Founded by the guy who is now the head of the Proud Boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Proud Wolf Boys. Yeah, the Proud Wolf Boys who don't wank. <laughs> who do not wank, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're horrible, weird people. Um. Yeah. Anyway, super bad. We should talk about that at some point. Yes. Yeah. McLovin, obviously. I that guy. I won. I wonder how well that's held up. Yeah, because I don't think I've seen it in a long time, and I imagine it might not have aged well. Yeah. Well, that that's my gut instinct. So yeah, I'm intrigued to see how well that movie is done over the passage of time. And Michael Sarah as well. The ageless young man, Sarah. Michael Sarah. He was 47 when they filmed Superbad. <laughs> Still playing a teenager. <laughs> After all those years. All the films that you forgot he was in. The Bridges of Madison County. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. <laughs> Bridge on the River Kwai. <laughs> it's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> I'm just naming films now. You're just naming films. Citizen Kane. Nosferati. <laughs> the man in the iron mask. <laughs> oh, oh I like Michael Cera a lot. Yeah, we you I like him, but I don't love him. But I I, I think that he's one of your faves, isn't he? Yeah, and I, I think because I love the comics of Scott Pilgrim so much and the film was good. It didn't do justice to them by any stretch, but it was still good. I think I'm always going to have a soft spot for him. Yeah, because I, I quite like the film, but I don't like it. I don't super love it, but I did enjoy the comics a lot more than the movie. Yeah. Um, I felt the comics were really fun, interesting stuff, and the movie didn't quite get there. No, which is an impossible task, of course. Yeah. Um, almost as impossible as turning a mediocre 80s tv show into an enjoyable reboot romp. yeah well both of them had a had a script writer they shared a script writer oh there we go michael what's his name sarah michael sarah <laughs> yeah yeah he wrote this as well he wrote <laughs> 21 jump street um no, michael bacall oh, okay also also co-wrote scott pilgrim and i did think there was a vague similarity in tone to some of the ways that like some of the scenes are structured and stuff yeah, I can see that. Um yeah, I can definitely I can definitely see uh see those similarities there. Um which is yeah, I didn't think about it that way, but you're completely right. Some of the cartoonish elements of it really match up with Scott Pilgrim versus the world, don't they? Yes. <laughs> Um, so, so do we have anything else to say about Twenty One Jump Street? No, I, I think that's it. You know, it's it's a it's a dumb film. 
it's it's a dumb comedy entertaining film so you know go into it just expecting to have some a few a few cheap laughs and it will th- go thoroughly above that if you go in expecting anything highbrow it's gonna bum you out <laughs> but no i think it, it's good it's, and it was a nice break especially it came at a good point as you said after seeing a couple of films that were similar or dealing with similar things but that did not do it well <laughs> yes yeah yeah um, and, and that is primarily why I chose it. Although I did cho- choose it so that we could discuss the romance, obviously, because this is Big Boys Don't Cry. Primarily, I was just like, Paddy, you've made me choose this terrible... You've made me watch this terrible film. I'm going to make you watch something funny. Yeah. Whereas it's my choice next, so maybe I'm just going to keep pulling you down the hole. <laughs> Although, what could possibly be worse than Baywatch? <laughs> I look forward to finding out one day. It can't be the worst thing that we watch on this podcast. Um, no, no, there will be something worse eventually. Yeah. So, so I've got a little bit of trivia for you. If we're ready to cool. move on. Yeah. Um, so, yep. so Channing Tatum actually passed on this movie twice before Jonah Hill convinced him to take it up. Hmm. Um, which is interesting because I think Channing Tatum's perfect for this film. So it's interesting to think that he didn't initially feel like he wanted to do it. Yeah, and and. Jonah Hill persuaded him, so they must have been mates already. Then, yeah, and and Jonah Hill, I think, was one of the producers of the movie, and and he helped write it as well. Yeah. He did, yeah. Um, and I think Channing Tatum's an executive producer on it too, so clearly he did get involved. Yeah, I, I like that when people can be in the project, involved in the project like that, and kind of have oversight of how it all fits together, rather than just turning up on set and acting like. Yeah, I respect people who do that. Yeah. And it usually does yield good results. I think you can tell in this case, just about the way that their characters feel coherent. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I think it really does show through here. You're right. Um, so Emma Stone was considered for the lead female role, but had to drop out oh. due to scheduling, con- uh, scheduling conflicts with The Amazing Spider-Man. Um, ah. Which one of those movies has got a better reputation now? probably 21 jump street because nobody remembers the amazing spider-man i have not seen the amazing spider-man it 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 is the bon jovying spider-man it 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 is a mediocre not as memorable as sam raimi spider-man not as good as tom holland's spider-man doesn't have etc. That's an excellent Chad uh, Kroger slash uh, Pearl Jam impression. Uh, no, Pearl Jam is more like yeah, yeah, I'm alive. I might have discussed this on the podcast already, but did you know that you can successfully sing any Pearl Jam song as long as you know the name of the song and where <laughs> the name of the song gets mentioned? <laughs> yeah. You take the name of the song, hit the chorus, you're away. You stumble yeah. through the verse with some little bit of mumbling. Yeah. <laughs> so even flow, obviously, for the verses, you just go... <laughs> and as long as you know to hit yeah. even flow, awesome now fall on Yeah, exactly. Although Pearl Jam songs, some of them they got they got weird titles or long ones like "Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in a Small Town." Oh yeah, longest um, title in the Pearl Jam catalog. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is one heck of a trivia right there. Yeah. 
<laughs> used to be quite into them. But I think my um, my Chad Kroger impression also fell it l- slightly into Bob Dylan at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. He's more like. Oh Bobby, I'm looking forward to Christmas coming around so I can play Bob Dylan's Christmas album. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard Bob Dylan's. It's atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> it was made quite recently so yeah i think if he'd made a christmas album in the 60s or the 70s it would have been really good but yeah it's not good because he cannot sing anymore it's 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 current day bob dylan <laughs> yeah um not not classic bob dylan no but you know i, I respect him yeah you you've got to you've got to respect a bit of bob don't you yeah um but yeah, Have so, you got any more trivia? Or yeah, should, so we the, just, should we just keep doing Pearl Jam impersonations? <laughs> well, I could do Pearl Jam impersonations <laughs> until the end of days. Um, Me too. So, so the um, yeah. the uh, the the other um, the, the other nice thing about this film is that they've got cameos for a lot of the original cast of Twenty One Jump Street. Yes, um, and obviously there's the Johnny Depp one. Um, yeah, that's a shame. Where <laughs> where it was fine. Back when Johnny Depp was around in 2011, not so much Johnny Depp now, um, where where any any time that he appears on screen is a stain on your life. He um, is the one person I think where like I can't watch anything with him in now because yeah I don't know I was never that invested in him anyway but yeah he just seems he looks like an angry nut job who is going to punch you in everything. Well, he he's definitely not the only one. I think there's lots of people who I would have bigger problems with watching things of than him. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, there is. It has kind of stained his reputation going back to those original movies that he was in. And 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 at this point, this is 2012. Um, so his career was a bit on the decline. But that was the only thing. And it's kind of a, a neat little cameo for him. Um, but 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 there, there there's other cameos in here for other people from Twenty One Jump Street, which is nice. And then they follow that up in Twenty Two Jump Street with some other ones. Um, and so they're kind of, although the movie's very very different from the original show, they're still kind of showing respect in that way, um, with it not being as intrusive as the cameos in Baywatch, for instance. Yeah, or just as dumb. Like the the the, yeah. the cameos in Baywatch was so awful and so cheap. Like I said, most it was mostly just like a thirty-second shot of David Hasselhoff's feet. Yes, <laughs> I'm still angry about it. It's going to be your, on your deathbed. You'll be going, David Hasselhoff's fucking feet. <laughs> That'll be it. Yeah, and I'll be like, I am going to hassle the Hoff in heaven. But... <laughs> You've got to hassle the Hoff. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, I, I noted that the there was a brief appearance from the woman who played Officer Judy Hoffs in the original Twenty One Jump Street, mm-hmm. um, who is apparently one of the big characters. But I didn't know until I saw this that 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 was the name of the character, which uh, which fits into. Have you seen Zootropolis slash Zootopia? No, I haven't. Well, the the main character in that is called Officer Judy Hops, and she's oh, a rabbit. Okay, and she's a rabbit. Yeah. It's actually very, very good. One of Disney's best in recent years, in my opinion. Although I can't remember whether it was called Zootropolis or Zootopia in this market. Well, why they decided to call it two different things to two different markets is a bunch of bullshit. It's the same thing as like thinking that English people won't 
buy cool ranch doritos because we don't know what a ranch is we're not fucking ranches we'll still buy the crisps <laughs> because they're crisps people will still watch a film if it's called zootropolis or zootopia you know yeah, because cause the only reason I can think otherwise is if there's some kind of contractual issue with the name, which I think is partly what happened with the Bad Neighbours movies over here, which are known around the yeah. rest of the world as Neighbours. Um, equally, the band Suede are not called Suede in America um, because of a folk band, like a country band called Suede. Yeah. Um, instead, they're called the London Suede. Mm-hmm. Um and so I wonder whether it's maybe something to do with that. Maybe someone had already made a terrible movie only to UK audiences called Zootopia, so they had to call it Zootropolis. That does like sound that. likely, actually, doesn't it? Which, yeah, which could that could be um, that could be why. But it maybe. must have had some serious legal weight if Disney weren't able to get around it. Yeah, or or it might be. You may be right that they just decided to change it for no good reason. Um, I don't know. Maybe we should find out. We can, we can get around to watching Zootopia at some point. Yeah. Either way, it's it's very good. I'm I'm a fan. Yes, I've heard really good things about it. It's got Wolf Boys. Oh, wolf Boys. And you can't beat a movie with Wolf Boys. Tiger Boys. Oh, Tiger Boys. Yeah. So that little bit of calling back to the original series was good, and it was a thing that you could get because it's. I guess like if that name has endured through American culture in that way, maybe the show was more famous than we thought, but it yeah. never made it over here. Yeah, I think it was fairly well known in the US, but it's the kind of thing that faded, uh, faded from public consciousness quite quickly. Mainly just because um, there wasn't much else on in the eighties. Yeah, exactly. They you just only had, had five Reagan. channels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and and yeah, so it didn't. I don't think it's as well known in the same way as Baywatch had that like permanent mark on television. Um, but it's nice that they still treated it with that kind of respect, and that people still wanted to be in it. Um, so yeah, so it's nice. It's nice. It's a wholesome film. It's the most wholesome film with someone getting their dick shot off and then the penis <laughs> being shown. And that is an achievement. <laughs> yes. Um. So, so shall we move on to scoring? Yes, I think we should. Have you got any ideas? Uh, um, well, the obvious choice is how many uh, penises on the pavement. Um, <laughs> Too or... many dicks on the dance floor. <laughs> 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 or or um, how many Korean Jesuses out of 20? <laughs> no. Or uh, how many, how much, uh, how many things... Has, of your shit has Korean Jesus not got time for? Okay, yeah, I like that. <laughs> Out of 20. Out of 20. 20 being his maximum capacity for bullshit. That is his maximum capacity for bullshit. That's true for any uh, any areas Jesus. Yeah. Not just not just North and South Korea. It's true for all Jesai. <laughs> all Jesai. <laughs> That's the plural of Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um... I I'm going to give it a 14, which I think is fair. Yeah. It's 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 very very competent, very fun and enjoyable to watch. You know, not highbrow, not life changing, not you know doesn't really do much other than entertain, and that's a very very good thing. It's fun. Seven out of ten, fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm only going one higher than that anyway myself. Um, 15 out of 20. Yeah, it's a really fun movie. It's really dumb put it on you'll laugh 
don't expect the world and you might be pleasantly surprised if you go in thinking it's going to change your life you're going to be disappointed um but it's it's a it's a very funny movie and it handles things very well yeah so we've averaged out at 14.5 which is a full 11 points higher than baywatch (laughs) and and rightly deserved as well which sounds about right i think yeah yeah for sure yeah um, so, so what do you have up for us next, Paddy? Cool. Well, we're we're gonna we're deviating from the the kind of remakey the the remake sphere for a while. Um, as I, th- I think we yeah we've had a few episodes along those those lines, and this is just something completely different. But it is revisiting someone who we I think haven't talked about since maybe the first episode, unless I'm wrong. Um, who's Julia Stiles, obviously, who I mentioned briefly earlier, who is great. Um, we're going to be watching Save the Last Dance. Ah, very nice. Have you ever seen it? I have not seen it. I have not seen it either, so I think that's quite good. All right, but I've wanted to see it for a while. I remember seeing the poster a lot when it was around, but never getting around to watching it. Yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember seeing it around. Um, yeah. Cool, okay, looking forward to it. Something entirely new. Yeah. New to both of us and quite different and a good a good step back, I think. Because it yes. came out in 2001, I think. Yeah, yeah. Around then. Yeah. So not long after 10 Things I Hate About You. No, true. True. Not that much longer after, is it? No. Excellent. Cool. Well, I think, I think that's going to do it for us, unless you have anything else you want to mention. Um, let me... I, I, I just want to briefly tell a quick story to our listeners. Um, so as you're aware, I am a video game fan. Um, and I've been recently been playing a game called Far Cry 5. And Far Cry 5 is a game that takes itself quite seriously, but it has managed to create one of my favourite stupid comedy moments ever. Um, so Far Cry 5 randomly generates a bit of fictional Montana um, with enemies every so often. And so as part of this very dramatic mission where I'm fighting this cult leader... Uh, we're in a dogfight in aeroplanes and I shoot down this plane and he jumps out of a parachute. I chase him, I jump out of my plane and I'm parachuting down and it's going to be a really tense moment as I slowly land and I land about like 100 metres from him and I'm chasing after him and I'm slowly catching him up. Um, then a black bear randomly generates near him and what should have been a very dramatic showdown in the woods turns into one of the main bosses of the game getting mauled to death by a random black bear, which then <laughs> runs off into the woods again. Um, That's excellent. It completely destroying any tension that the game had built up to that point. It was spectacular. Um, it's one of the stupidest things that's ever happened to me in a game. And I thought I'd just share that with you all. Exit pursued by a bear. Exit pursued by a bear. Exactly. Shakespearean. Shakespearean. That's... Well done. Far Cry 5. That is excellent. I think all video games should do that. Just randomly generate generate enemies on top of enemies. Yeah. It would make them yeah. a lot more interesting. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when you're trying to build tension in your game where you're trying to tell this plot, the best thing to do is to allow a bear to <laughs> spawn next to your boss character and kill them for you. Like in um, in FIFA or Pro Evo or the, the foot sport games, when, when the people are playing it and it's a really, really important match, a bear just generates in the goal. <laughs> Yeah, it's a penalty shootout. Yeah, the ball suddenly randomly generates into a bear instead, and he's always offside. Can that happen in the World Cup? 
I would actually How good would that, that quite be? a lot. They've got bears in Russia, right? Exactly. There could be a bear. Yeah. Putin keeps them. Well, there we, he, he rides them, doesn't he? Yeah. Rides them into battle. Armoured bears, like in his Dark Materials. Now, that is like... if intro, The introduction of bears is the only thing that could get me to, to be interested in the World Cup. <laughs> Shall we write to FIFA, Paddy? Yeah. I demand that this happens now. All right, let's get on it. Yeah. Dear listeners, get in touch with FIFA. Tell them to introduce bears. Yeah, because, you know, we have a pretty big platform here, but we're still going to need your help. Yeah, come on. Let's do it. We're going to need to crowdfund it. Bears on the pitch. Justgiving.com slash bears on the pitch. Oh, no, it'd be, it'd be a Kickstarter, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, Kickstarter. Kick, Kickstarter.com slash bears on the pitch. Yes. Oh dear! Right, very, very good. Well, this has been the Big Boys Don't Cry podcast. As always, if you like what we do, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. Always helps us get new listeners, etc. Uh, if you take issue with anything that we've said, and maybe you don't want bears to invade the pitch during the World Cup. Maybe you could just email us at bigboysdon'tcrypodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at bigboysdon'tpod. Always love to hear from you, as long as you're behind the bear campaign. If you're not, we'll just ignore you. Yeah, get out. If you don't believe bears should be in football, get out. Then, then you're prejudiced. Yeah. Yeah. Then <laughs> we don't trust you. <laughs> All right. Oh, dear. And we will be back next week to watch Save the Last Dance. To discuss Save the Last Dance. Yes, indeedy. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.